I want to welcome everyone to Christian Thought in Our World. This is episode 14. And this is actually going to be our episode called The Open Forum, which we're going to be having about once every three uh, months. And basically, it's open. It's an open forum to be able to have an open discussion on anything, not only that we would like to discuss, but perhaps any questions or any uh, topic in particular that any of you that are hearing us or watching us would be able to want to have. Before we get started, I do want to remind you that not, all, not only are we available on YouTube so that you can watch, but that you can also listen to us as we're also available to podcast. And so we have different uh, platforms in which you can look into, uh, Amazon, Apple, Spotify. Most of your phones have a app that actually allows you to get podcasts. Just look us up on Christian Thought in Our World. We thank you for your support, and we ask you to share the show. So now let us go ahead and get started with today's topic. We had a little discussion that we wanted to actually get into a little bit, something a little more personal, not so formal, and have a discussion about our experiences or testimonies that we've had as Christians, particularly dialoguing with others or even in, in certain contexts, evangel trying to evangelize other people or doing a uh, an, an apologetic for the Christian faith. And so I'd like to go ahead and first of all, welcome Brother Johnny and Brother James, uh, who are our regular panelists. So brothers, let us begin with first considering our lives and how the Lord has worked in our lives. And that obviously being impacted by the gospel and the spirit of God, we obviously have a zeal and a desire to want to communicate with others. And so what are some of the experiences early on that you guys can remember that had an impact on your lives? Because this is something that obviously if you are watching this or listening to this and you are a new believer and you are listening to this uh, show, you probably may want to hear some of the things that as Christians, because we've been Christians for some number of years now and we've had different experiences, what are things to look forward to? Because it could be an intimidating experience to go out there and speak these things, particularly if you don't have a, a lot of knowledge. But we do got to keep in mind that one of the ways that we gain knowledge is to practice. You got to be able to communicate with people. You got to be learning your Bible. You got to be learning your facts, right? Even those things that are outside of the Bible. Many uh, evidences that corroborate, obviously, our faith, or even things that are just reasonable. And these are things that we need to take in consideration and to be able to communicate what Peter actually advises to do, which is, why? A reason for our faith. So I'd like to begin with you, Brother Johnny. Uh, do you have anything in particular that you can remember early on in your life as, as you were a Christian that you experienced as you were dialogue and trying to communicate the truth of God? Uh, yes. Uh, I became a Christian. Uh, well, I was born in a Roman Catholic family, uh, baptized as a baby. Uh, not very, like every Sunday, you know, stuff like that. I actually talked about some of this on my, on my own YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, I was talking about how uh, when I became a Christian, my experience was that I had been invited to a church which no longer exists. It was called BD Avenue Baptist Church. And uh, I, will, I watched a video about the life of Jesus. It was basically one of the most wo most watched Jesus movies of all time and most translated. It's just called Jesus and it's based on the Gospel of Luke. And at the end of it, I was given a copy of the Gospel of John. 
And, uh, you know, I read it, and I, but I had been asked to accept Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, which is the typical way of evangelizing among you know, evangelicals, especially fundamentalists. Uh, when I became a Christian, I became very excited. And uh, I'm 44 now, so this is like 35 years ago. So when I started uh, getting really excited about the Bible and wanting to talk about the things of God, uh, one of the things that ended up happening is that uh, people were always trying to put me in check. You know what I'm saying? People were trying to get me to, uh, uh, you know, calm down a little bit. You know, yeah, you're into the things of God. That's wonderful that, uh, that you're trying to be godly, that you're trying to go. But, but all of a sudden it becomes this, uh, what they refer to as stage cage, where you're so uh, one-dimensional, you are so, uh, you know, you can't talk about anything else. I mean, there are some people that, you know, you could tell them, hey, how's the weather? And they turned that into a lecture uh, about how God has saved them, you know. And it, there are times when that's, that's relevant, but, but you don't need to shove Jesus down everybody's throat. You have to look for these opportunities to to get into the things of God. And so this stage cage taught me that I need to be able to communicate my faith in a way that is loving, uh, patient, welcoming, and non-judgmental, by which I mean that it's not me that should be doing the judging. It, I should just leave them with God and let them and let God be their judge. But, but what I have to do is reveal or basically unveil what God's law is, uh, because I... And this is just my, my initial experience as a Christian. Well, what happens is that, you know, one of the things that's obviously a, a natural impact when you come to the Lord is that, you know, you, there's this fire that you first have right in your faith and you really want to be connected with the Lord. You want to love Jesus. You want to prove yourself to be a, a worthy disciple, so to speak. And I think that because we have the zeal, we go out there and we try to communicate. And it's actually a very sincere thing. I actually, when I see someone doing this very early on, I'm, I'm rather touched by it because I see that this person really has a heart for the Lord and has a love for the Lord. But we have to remember that one of the things that we were, we were taught by the scriptures is by Jesus himself is, you know, that we are to be uh, harmless as doves. Um, excuse me. Yes, harmless as doves and uh, wise as serpents. And so that one of the things that we definitely want to pursue is wisdom because we do have a testimony that we are bearing. Ultimately, people must face the music, so to speak, by having to deal with the reality of Jesus, what his message was, because that's what we want to communicate. But at the same time, you know, we want to be able to properly communicate that because we are called Christians. We are supposed to be not merely followers of Christ, but imitators of Christ. And so it's, it's very important, as you said, that, you know, that when we, when we're showing these things is that we also show grace to those that are hearing us. We want to communicate the gospel, but we also want to show grace and knowing that, for instance, because the Holy Spirit touched our lives and allowed us to be able to communicate and to have this desire and opened up, you know, our ears and opened up our eyes to see these things, not everybody's there. And so we have to be very wise in the way we speak to things. And obviously we know that the Holy Spirit is the one that opens up the hearts and the minds. And so we have to allow that. So it's good to have conversation brother james are there any particular things that you can remember of things that you can advise someone who is particularly new to the faith of things that they should uh, look out look out for or do 
when they are a new believer? Yes. <clears throat> so my story, um, I grew up in the church. So and in and, and one sense, I've always believed but there was never a time there there wasn't there was a time where Jesus was not my lord and why the reason i say that is because there's an aspect of your life and of your mind and of your heart where you know things to be true but at the same time you you still are not submitting to it. Now, I can't speak in terms of uh, what is actually going on in my soul at the time, because you can be deceived in yourself. But what I always say is I had my, my uh, conversion story that started when I was like about 10 years. It was really nine years old, uh, going getting close to 10 where there was a, a missionary that came to the church that I grew up in and was giving a, a, a lecture. It, it was kind of like between a sermon and just kind of like a testimony of, of what's been going on in their lives. And so the thing is, that's I remember just being overwhelmed with emotion. And that's so just to start that off, it's, it's a very you got to be very careful when it's an emotional experience because the emotional experience can just be for a time and then it goes away. And that's kind of what happened to me is my emotional experience subsided. But through this whole time, I've always believed. I've always believed. I've always believed. Uh, it wasn't until I got older as a teenager and I was, I was actually with you, Brother Eric, where we started going to uh, an apologetics uh, class. It was sort of like a class, but it was kind of also like a like a church service because they would be singing, and there would be a prayer, and you know, just kind of like the normal elements of a service. And I'll never forget it that during those those uh, classes slash services, uh, one of the verses that really impacted me was Romans um, three. 22 where it speaks about there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and it was very impactful for me because as he was explaining that he showed that in the Greek it, it actually teaches that you continually fall short so it's not just like you fell short once it's you constantly are are falling short of the glory of God and that was kind of like what I would call my first revival where it brought me back into, into the, the fold and, and, and I was getting um, invested in my time and in my mind. You know, I was using my mind more when it came to the, to the things of the Lord instead of just drifting through and having this like supposed emotional feeling all the time of like, oh, yeah, I believe, you know, and, and I'm, I'm good with, with all my neighbors and, and my family members. But then... Uh, and again, that's one of those things where it's, it, it subsides eventually. It, it could take years, but it subsides because it's more of an emotional experience. And then finally, in my second revival, and that's, and that's the one where it, it has hit me different than both my conversion and 
my first revival is that now I have uh, realized that the, the, the Lord is my Lord. Like I'm here to serve him. I'm his bond servant, you know, and, and, and the Greek, that word doulos is slave. I'm his slave. I'm a slave of righteousness now instead of a slave of sin. So going back to when you're first a convert, one of the things you got to be very careful of is that emotional experience. You need to learn, okay, because the Bible, quoting Jesus, says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So I break that down as the heart, yes, it's 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 like all your your being, right? Like all your intellect, all your your uh, emotions, all your your inner self. And then there, but there's the aspect of the mind. The mind is, yeah, we're not saying, okay, you have to be this scholar, this, this, you know, theologian, but in a, in a, in a little sense, everybody's a theologian when it comes to the Christian faith, because you are to learn the word. You are to be learned in the doctrines that are spoken by God. Like it says in the great commission that we are to disciple the nations and teach them everything that Jesus has commanded. So it's not just a, a superficial belief system. No, it's a, it's a call of action and it's a call of learning. And finally, when I break it down with the strength is you got to use all your being and you got to do it for the glory of God. If it's not invested in your heart to love the Lord your God, to do it for him, no matter how many good works you do, they're just filthy rags. And when he uses the word filthy rags, it's to my understanding is speaking about a menstrual rags. And that's a very harsh uh, outlook on what our good works are. And that's why glory to God that we are saved by the righteousness and the works of Jesus Christ, or else we would be damned. But that's the f first, and first and foremost thing is to remember that the emotional experiences, it's like a roller coaster. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're low. Things happen in your life. You, you're not feeling it. You're like, oh, I don't want to go to church today, or I don't want to read my Bible, or I don't want to this and that. And that could easily fall back into sin because you got to find a way to relieve something. So that's one of the biggest keys, continually being strong in your walk by loving the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Yes, very good. I mean, I think that you basically spoke into the issue of sanctification, right? Because obviously we're still deal dealing with sin in the sense that we we're living in these perishable bodies. We're still fighting against the flesh. We still have desires and temptations that come from the flesh. But as the book of Romans speaks, you know, we have also the spirit of God, the renewing, you know, the, the renewing spirit that has been given to us. So we have this great desire actually to follow God's law. We want to spread God's law, right? We want to, when when we come to the Lord, that's what we want. We want righteousness everywhere. And and I think that a lot of times the Lord does use this as a form of, uh, it kind of reminds me of just being a young man in the sense that, you know, when you're a young man, you tend to be naive, right? You, you don't, you haven't lived. You don't look at nature for what it is. You tend to look at things in the way that you're told and in the way that you believe, as we begin to grow, we begin to see that we we have our own thoughts, we have our own capabilities of things that we want to do, and we think that we can go out and change the world and be the people that we think we could be. 
But a lot of times, of course, we make mistakes because we have, you know, our nature. And obviously, because we are sinful creatures, you know, we do make mistakes through our sinful nature. And even at times, you know, as we're Christians, I think that that's one of the things that I've personally seen. So that there's a lot of things, a lot of uh, conversations or situations that I put myself in where I remember, in essence, kind of pressuring people, you know, to to really, really, you know, look at uh, accepting Jesus. And the, the heart was not in there to do it. And so one of the things that I think that's very important for someone who wants to communicate the gospel is to first understand that it's a process, you know. Yes, there are those individuals that, may receive it right then and there. Sometimes God works in the heart of someone and it could be a very simple thing and you could be that tool to be used. But sometimes it could, you know, it could take time. It could take time. You know, it's like that that example that they use, you know, water dropping on rock. With time, it'll break through. And in some ways, you know, that's the way you got to see it. So you, you, you should be able to see your conversations with others regarding the Bible as something of a work, Right. Particularly with family, you know, because obviously sometimes if we're if we're out on the streets, I think that's one of the things that to me is very difficult, you know, is to doing like a, a one-on-one, you know, out in the street evangelizing or even doing a, a door-to-door thing where, yes, there is a place for it and it has been useful, such as uh, D. James Kennedy's uh, evangelism explosion that happened in the 1950s that actually was very effective in bringing people to Christ and bringing people to the church. And so there are there, there is success in that. But sometimes, you know, it isn't the only way. You know, we know that God uh, affects the heart and the mind in different ways. And how many times, you know, did we ourselves, when we were in an unregenerate state, in essence, not receive so heartily that message? And so we have to remember that. And so we have to have a lot of patience. I think that for someone who wants to communicate the gospel, you got to have a lot of patience. You got to understand that it's a work of God. Your your job, in essence, is to communicate the gospel as best as possible as you are learning because obviously you can't compare you know what you've learned in one year to someone who who's you know been learning for 10 20 30 40 years there's going to be you know degradations or, or or gradations you know of of the education that you're going to have and what you've learned and what you can communicate so i think the best thing to tell a person is as i used to like to speak to my mother because my mother a lot of times felt inadequate because she felt well i don't know my bible that well i read it regularly but I don't really know all these doctrines. I, you know, I'm not, I don't know how effective I can be in speaking to people. And my answer to her was, look, mom, God gives everybody something. Not everybody's going to be a theologian. Not everybody's going to be a pastor, right? Not everybody's going to be a teacher. But at the end of the day, we all have to learn and we all do learn. And we have truths that we accept from the Bible. Now, it's very important that you do grow in the faith because we do know that we have those admonitions uh, by Paul in Corinthians, and we have it also in the by the writer of the book of Hebrews. You know that we have to go on from milk, and we got to go on to eating meat. So eventually, you know, you got to grow in your understanding of the Bible and these doctrines. Not only because it's good to communicate them, but because obviously these are things that affect our lives. We have to know our God, what our God desires, what His will is, and that's why it's so important to to understand this. Now, having spoken about these things that, you know, that we do early on, what are some of the situations that you guys feel you've had where perhaps it's been a difficult situation or an odd situation that perhaps you can share with others so that they may understand uh, how you have to deal with certain things? I know, Johnny, you've been a, a individual that's been very active 
speaking with those that have been involved with cults, like with uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and, uh, and, and, and even other groups, you know. And so uh, can you share with us a story of something that you feel perhaps uh, each other's on? What are some of the things to look out for? Well, yeah, um, what, one of the things that I can say is that as a, as a Christian, because I first started studying, the first religion I started looking into were the Jehovah's Witnesses, and I was about 14 or 15 years old when I started talking to them a little bit, and I started reading stuff about them. I, I, I can't remember if I was 15 or 16, maybe 17, I think it was 15 or 16, and uh, my first apologetics book was actually by Ron Rhodes, How to, uh, Reasoning from the Scriptures with the Jehovah's Witnesses. And it was a very, very useful tool. And I started listening to a lot of Walter Martin. Uh, but there were a few things that I didn't know, uh, that I wish I had known at the time. And so one of the things I wish I had known is that I assumed that the, the people that I was talking to knew their own faith very well. And so what I have experienced many times when I talk to uh, Jehovah's Witnesses or the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, known as the Mormons, or if you talk to Roman Catholics, uh, which are the three main religions I've, I've dealt with because that's closer home in, in my own family or, or people that I've actually either gone to school with or worked with. Uh, what I find is many times they don't know their own faith, and then I end up having to tell them what their organization says. And so... I, one of the things is to to factor that in and and to so so there's basically I need to explain to them what their organization teaches and then I need to give a positive presentation of what my church teaches or what the gospel is. I remember when I was about I think I must have been about maybe between 14 and 16 I was talking to a Jehovah's Witness and uh he um I'm not going to name any names out of respect for the people involved. And some of these were in Spanish, so I'm translating here. Uh, one of the experiences that I had with him is that he didn't know his faith very well, very little. He had been uh, dealing with heroin uh, abuse, and he was trying to recover it. And the, and the group that was actually helping him to deal with those difficulties were the Jehovah's Witnesses. So uh, when I would talk to him, I would, I would pick up my Bible, and I'd open it up, and I'd be like, look at what the Bible says here. And then he would just pull out one of the Jehovah's Witness books, and I felt like I was having a conversation with his books rather than a conversation with him. And it was over and over again, and he says, well, you know, you've got to understand these books. You know, they have pictures and illustrations, and they have explanations. I said, I know that. We Christians have books like that, too. You know, we have <laughs> books like that, too. Uh, but yes. that's not the issue. The issue is, are you looking at the text? Is the text saying that, or are you depending on the organization? He's like, well, you know, no, I got to study some more. I got to study some more. So uh, that was one of the issues that, that I saw happening is that he didn't know his own faith, and I ended up having to explain it to him. Uh, with with uh, Roman Catholics, oftentimes I have to tell them their own faith. I remember having a conversation with a relative of mine, and I was asking, he was Roman Catholic, and I was saying, you know, do the Ro what do the Roman Catholics believe about Mary? You know, do they believe this? Do they believe that? And they're like, I don't know, I don't know. And then one day, another relative of mine had passed away, and they started doing a novena. In Roman Catholic theology, when someone dies, uh, that, that person, if they're not a saint, they're supposed to go into purgatory. And so you pray for nine days uh, for their soul. Uh, 
And so that, because you, the hope is that they get out of purgatory as soon as possible, because that they're suffering in purgatory. So uh, during the prayer, I hear them saying these things that are so blasphemous to my ears as a, as a Protestant Christian. They said the, the, the Virgin Mary was the Ark of the New Covenant, fountain of salvation, hmm. spouse of the Spirit. These words were just, just blasphemy in, to my ears. And I just, I realized this relative of mine was praying these prayers, but didn't know the theology behind them. So that was a big, big important thing for me to understand that in witnessing to people, you, the people that you're talking to don't always know their, their own doctrine. Uh, and there, it was also, and also the, a lot of times these people, especially when it comes to Jehovah's Witnesses, but to a certain degree, LDS missionaries can be this way as well, that they come across as people that really know their stuff. Not, not to say that they're not smart, uh, it's one thing to have to have a a, a, a a certain amount of knowledge about a variety of different things and having in-depth knowledge about specific things. And so when you're looking at people like Jehovah's Witnesses or LDS, Mormons as they're called, uh, the, these people, the, the, the missionaries come in or the Jehovah's Witnesses that come in, they knock on your door. And they come in with the bag and they got the suit and the tie. Uh, the LDS missionaries, of course, also have the tie. They've got their backpacks and whatnot. And so they look like they really know their stuff. And though there have been times when I'm informing them about something that their leaders have said and they don't know anything about. Uh, then you can, t you can sometimes deal with the Jehovah's Witnesses some rudeness. But at the same time, we also have Christians that tend to be rude. That There was a, uh, there was a relative of mine. Uh, who uh, Jehovah's Witness came, knocked on their door, and he said to them, uh, you know, I, I don't believe in your religion because you guys add words to the Bible. And he says, uh, no, we're not adding words to the Bible. In John 1.1, 1, 1, does it say a God or God? He says, well, it says a God. And he says, yeah, but your church also, he said, also? As in you did alter the text. And he says, why don't I save our, uh, both some time? And he just slammed the door in his face. It's kind of a funny story, but at the same time, th this shows this is how not to talk to people. And a lot of Christians take that way. Or there are ver there's a verse in the Bible, I, I don't have it, uh, the note in front of me, but it's in one of John's epistles, where it says that if you have a, a false teacher, you're not allowed to, and, uh, you are not allowed to have them in your home. Okay. And what a lot of Christians don't realize is that at the time of the early church, at the time of the apostles, uh, a lot of churches were meeting in homes. They didn't have these big buildings all the time uh, because in some cases they were illegal. So, uh, so he's saying that, you know, don't allow them in your home, which means that you can't have this false teacher, this heretic, to be teaching in your church. That's basically the idea behind John's uh, statement. Whereas... There are Christians who will say, uh, I will not allow a Roman Catholic or a Jehovah's Witness or an LDS missionary to speak in my house because the Bible says I'm not supposed to do it. So you have a lot of misunderstandings, and it shows a lack of maturity on the part of Christians who don't understand the Bible. Because as, as uh, one of our slogans, here, the slogan that we have here is that theology is not just for uh, pastors and scholars, it's for you.
right? So, but however, not everyone's going to be an academic. We're not all going to be Michael Horton. We're not all going to be R.C. Sproul or, or you know, the, these big names in, in theology that, that publish commentaries and systematic theologies. However, you can have a basic knowledge of, of your, your basic faith. And so uh, w going back to the story, and I'll hand that off to, to Brother Eric, is that uh, when I was talking to that initial Jehovah's Witness who, who was struggling with his faith, as I was giving him the critiques of his faith uh, that I disagreed with biblically, he then asked me a question where I just was frozen because I didn't really have a solid answer. He said to me, so what is the gospel that you're presenting to me? What is it that you're offering me in, in exchange of this? And I found myself kind of stunned because I didn't have a memorized presentation. And there is a presentation that we as Christians have to know. We have to know about the fall. We have to know about the death, burial, and resurrection. We have to know about the final judgment, sin, uh, regeneration, redemption, resurrection. All of these things are a part of the gospel. But if you haven't been taught these things, you might find yourself going, am I supposed to talk about the parting of the Red Sea? Am I supposed to talk about Joshua? Do I talk about the the woman whose son was resurrected? Should I talk about Lazarus being brought back? What, 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 is, what is it that I'm supposed to touch on? And so I found myself frozen. I, I talked about the fall, but I, I kind of went so slow, and I didn't know where to go with that story that he cut me off. And he realized I didn't have a positive statement. I was ready with all the objections to his religion, but I didn't have a positive presentation. I can do it now, of course, but, but that's one of those things. You need to, you can't come to them with an empty hand. You, 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 you actually have to come and, and you're bringing them something. You're bringing them the truth. And if you can't present it, then uh, you're not doing much. Even if you refute their religion, that doesn't mean that they're going to come to the truth. Well, yes. And actually, it really shows also uh, a, a, a very human trait. Because this can even be said of atheists. A lot of times, you know, we hold to views that we believe. And I think that because in our heads we believe, oh, we know these things. When it comes time to communicate, it's a whole other bargain. And uh, I, I myself, you know, uh, found myself at times wanting to have discussions with people early on when I was uh, like in my teenage years and decided to keep my mouth shut because I realized that I did not know enough. And I think there was some wisdom in that because, you know, the one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to speculate. You, you don't want to say things that are not truthful because of what you think it is. You want to be able to properly represent, particularly when you're dealing with the word of God. But at the end of the day, even in the evangelical church, there are a lot of people who don't know their faith. And it's, that's why it's so important because Peter makes it very clear that we have to have a reason for our faith. And we are supposed to be people that feed on the word daily. Right, we are supposed to be feeding on the Word of God daily. Right, it is it is our food, it is our spiritual food, and so it's very very important that we take these things in consideration. That, as you said, Johnny, as another teacher uh, ha has said, which is that you know we focus a lot on these particular kind of hard doctrines or secret things, particularly things like eschatology, and some of the basic things that have to do with the basic elements of our belief in the gospel. We're unable to communicate, and that's a problem because that's the essence of our faith. Those, that's the one thing that is supposed to be primary and elementary. And yet because we think of ourselves as being wise, we focus on other things and not, not realizing that we need to first understand the primary things before we go on to the rest of the things. And I remember when I was in high school, I actually uh, I saw a, a circle 
a prayer circle, you know, that was happening. But it was, but at the time, I didn't know it was a prayer circle. I actually thought there was a fight going on. And I remember getting in, in, in the circle, and I just saw a couple of people there. Yeah, and it ended up being that it was a, a prayer, you know. So this guy that was next to me that I knew from my physical education class was like, hey, pray with us. And I was like, well, sure, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, right? I want to pray. And turned out that it was actually a Jehovah's Witness circle, you know. So later on, he asked me, are you a Christian? And I said, uh, yes, I am. He told me, do you believe in hell? I go, yes, I do believe in hell. He said, what is hell? I said, that's a place of torment. That's where the, where the wicked go, where the wicked are, you know, suffer. And he said, uh, did you know that the Bible doesn't teach that it's that? Did you know the Bible actually teaches that it's a place, you know, where, where they, uh, I think where they, where they take things out of, out of the, uh, out of the town and, and, and that there's, you know, like trash or something, something in nature. I can't remember what exactly he said it, and the fire is always burning. And I didn't know about that. I didn't know if that was in the Bible or not. I said, really? I said, no. And, you know, I just kind of stood quiet thinking about it, feeling a bit dumb, right? Because I felt like, wow, I, this is something that I should know. So I remember going to my grandmother in the afternoon because she was, to me, a teacher. And I asked her about this. I said, you know, grandmother, you know, I was talking with this individual and he's a Jehovah's Witness. And he mentioned that, you know, that that there is no hell because of the fact that there's this, you know, town, you know, where, where, they, where, where they burn these things. And my grandmother told me, you know what, son, there is, there is such a place where, where, where this happens. But that doesn't mean that hell is not a spiritual place that actually is. She said, just because, you know, the Bible may mention something, you know, in a literal way, referring to it, as making a comparison to a town, that doesn't mean that that is not the spiritual reality. She said, you know, Jesus gave many warnings and he talked about, you know, about being thrown, you know, body and soul into hell. And it really, you know, it, it really opened my eyes up. It really made me realize like, oh, wow, you know, like, you know, you really have to know your Bible because there's a lot of context there. You have to know that there are things that are that are used, there are figures that are used, and they're and they're used of other things. Sometimes there are literal literal things that are pointed to in order to point to spiritual realities. And it made me realize that I didn't really have a good knowledge of my Bible, and that it re you really need to know your Bible so that you can communicate these things to the people. If I had have known what my grandmother knew, I could have very easily have explained it to the gentleman and perhaps started a good dialogue with him. But because of the fact that I didn't know. I just stood quiet and probably looked dumb as a Christian. And this is a good example, actually, in your case, Johnny, of where you were seeing some of the people that are involved in these uh, other religions as looking foolish because they didn't know their stuff. Well, here you had a guy who actually did believe in the right stuff, but didn't know and didn't didn't know his stuff well. So he made he made himself look dumb, you know, in front of the <laughs> in front of the cults. So, brother James, is there anything you can remember of when you were perhaps younger, where you had a similar situation, where perhaps something that uh you felt uh, could have been handled in a, in a better way? Oh, yeah, there's there's many. You know, growing up, um, it's really funny. I see a difference from back then to now because if I recall correctly, probably 95% of all the people I knew claimed or were Christians. There was a very small percentage of people that weren't Christians. Like I had a friend who was a Buddhist. Um, and 
I I do remember having a, a friend later on in in my uh, junior high and high school years who who claimed to be an atheist, but for the most part, everybody was, you know, they said they were Christians, but did they live a Christian life? Uh, and myself included. Good story. It, yeah, that's where we would definitely mess up. And uh, so I, I do remember there was a time where there are certain people that they question things about the Bible and nobody really speaks up. Nobody, especially if we're all claiming, you know, to be Christians, even though to a certain point, we're really not. Uh, nobody stands up and says, Oh, you know what? It means this. And it means that I always, well, maybe not always, but a lot of times I did, I did get involved. I would speak up on it but i do remember one time dealing with uh, my my atheist friend um he asked some questions and i just i i kind of gave an answer of like whatever it is that i could give but it wasn't anything biblical it was just kind of like my own inventions and then another one that i truly do remember is so my buddhist friend one time i actually went up to him and i'm like dude did you did you know that like in the story of Buddha, he was like walking as as a one year old. Uh, I'm sorry, not as a one year old, as as a as a like one month year old. Wasn't he talking? And, Wasn't the Dr. Tisha the Buddha was talking or something like that when he was a baby? Yeah, like it was it was several things, but I, I remember really yeah. making mentioning of of the walking, like he was walking at such okay. an early earlier than anything possible, and I probably was wrong. I probably, but I remember specifically talking about the walking. And he's like, Anne, you you guys believed in a baby that was that was God. And I just remember kind of, kind of thinking like, well, yeah, I guess it, it does sound, you know, it, it does sound crazy if you put it like that, right? And I didn't yeah. really have an answer for him. You know? And it just goes to show you that, um, okay, so churches claim that to some extent they're they're preparing people like, they're going to church. They're worshiping the Lord. Of course, we go to we go to a church. We so we congregate together as a church to worship the Lord and to hear the word. It's not like we're going to like this training facility and we're training to be apologists. But at the same time, if you're listening to the gospel and you're listening to the true doctrines and verse by verse expository preaching. In a way, you are being prepared and you're being trained. So a lot of churches will claim that they're doing, that they're training people, you know, to be out there in the world and dealing with these things and all that. But they're really not. All they're doing is, hey, here's five steps to have, you know, a better productive day in your life that glorifies Christ, you know. And there's nothing in itself wrong with that, but there's a lot more to it. And I do think that living the life of a Christian uh, entails knowing who your God is, knowing what your God has commanded. And I always come back to this now as, as, uh, as somebody who's serving in the church, who's learned a lot in, the, in all these years. It's, t it's taken a long time. So it's not like it happens uh, overnight. It's been years and years and years of building you have your foundation and you're building on top of it and you're building on top of it because 
you can't be up here if you don't learn the things down here. You know what I'm saying? You like it says, you got to start with the milk and then move on uh, to to other types of food, especially when it's using the analogy of, of of meat. But I always go back, look to all those that are claiming to be Christians. Uh, okay, you want to be assured of your faith you, because this is a faith that doesn't come from you. This is a faith that is given to you. It is a gift to God. So you want to be assured that this is what has happened, that you've been regenerated, that you have this faith. You have the faith of Abraham. And I go back to what, there's many verses, but I like to go to 1 John chapter 2. And I'm just going to read from verses 1 through uh, 6. It'll be very quick. We're here, John, he's, he's, he's talking to believers. Okay, and he says, my little children... I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected by this. We may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And I know this, this seems to be a, a, a talk about morality and they talk about being a good person, a good neighbor. And yes, that's all true. But you can't know if you're living this life of obeying his commandments and truly loving him and knowing him. If you do not know what those things are. You, you live your life by what you know. Right. I do my job because yes. I know how to do my job. I know what I'm supposed to do. And if I don't know, I learn how to do it. Same with raising a family. Look, I don't know how to raise a family, but I'm learning as I'm going. And I have to yeah, implement certain things and hear this. And it would be very beneficial for me to listen to advice from other people that have done this. Look, the Bible is all that, all that. And that's why we say that if you're living, if you're, I'm sorry, if you're professing that you are a Christian, you have to be assured that this faith that was given to you by God is the faith that was given to you by God. And that's what we're going to continue to stress. So part of our evangelism, I, I like to say it like this, because we are, we still have to evangelize professing Christians, because professing doesn't necessarily mean that they are. So that's one faction of people that we still have to evangelize and also the cults and also the atheists and also all these world religions. Yeah, I think the essence of being able to speak to other individuals is that you got to know your faith well. A lot of times, you know, is it good to have knowledge of the other faiths? Absolutely. But we, ne we don't even know. Like imagine how many people really take the chance to, you know, read up on Buddhism, Hinduism. Zoroastrianism, you know, or looking at some of the mystic religions, you know, the uh, the Eastern Eastern uh, kind of 
mysticism, uh, spirituality things that have come out of the 1960s. You know, we have the the different uh, heretical, in a sense, denominations and, you know, the different groups. And there's a lot there. And you know what time you can learn these things. You can, If you pick up these things, what time you can learn. But the fact of the matter, especially if you're starting out, you're not going to have all the knowledge of these things. So how can you actually speak to these things? The way you speak to these things is by actually knowing your Bible and understanding its purpose. I remember having a conversation with uh, a family member, mother of one of our uh, nephews, and uh, she was saying, well, you know, when she was talking about, you know, in terms of God and the Bible, she says, well, you know, but the Bible has all these like, you know, strange mythical creatures. I mean, you guys talk about Zeus and this and that, but Bible has all these like mythical creatures, winged creatures, and you know, and and uh, and, I, and I was actually speaking about because I had been speaking about uh, Ezekiel and the vision that he had, you know, and uh, and what happened was that the person was saying, yeah, like you guys believe in, and I was saying, well, you got to understand that these things are are actually, you know, not necessarily uh, 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 it's, these are not all like 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 not all the things are what's it called the literal things that we believe in. Some of this is actually symbolic. And she's like, come on, like. I mean, I think you're just saying that. And I said, no, no, not at all. And so I was explaining, for instance, when you look at Daniel, you know, you have these creatures that are described, you know, with uh, having different parts of animals. And it actually explains that it represents uh, what's it called kingdoms. And I was able to even use archaeology as evidence of that. I said, look, if you go and look at a, at a, at a mural or, or a sculpture of the Babylonian period, what do you see? You see a, a, the body of a lion with wings and a man's head. Do you think that they believe that those were literal creatures that were running around? No, it represented things from that kingdom. That's what the Bible was talking about. And all of a sudden she was like, whoa, like I never thought of it that way. And it's like, uh, yes, the Bible was written at those times. You know, that's why it's reflecting this. For us that are around today, I think, you know. I think that this is the, the kind of stuff that Dr. Michael Heiser and other uh, ancient Near Eastern scholars, I, I, because the Bible is an ancient Near Eastern book written in an ancient Semitic language. It is not a modern American book written by people who watched Star Trek. Correct, correct. And so, you know, so I was explaining, for instance, a lot of people think, oh, God is this, uh, you know, white-haired man, you know, with white skin and luminous. And, and I was saying, look, the people who are depicting these things, even the church, the church has depicted, you know, God in this way, right? When it depicts the sun and this, you know, and, and it shows the spirit as it up. I said, it's not because they believe that that's what they are. These are representations, you know, and they do come from the Bible. For instance, the Bible is, I mean, uh, God, you know, God is described in this way, you know, as having, you know, white, you know, white hair and this. And actually, it's actually a description of Jesus as well, which is, you know, speaks to his divinity. And so I was saying, these are pictures that are being given, but the Bible actually states that God is actually invisible. God is not man. He is not a creature, you know, but he makes himself known through these things so that we who cannot see understand. And so see, so here's a very important thing in which you could take something that's to a particular context that the Bible doesn't explicitly talk about, and you can take the time to actually teach it to somebody. And so it's very important to understand what is being written in the way that it is written, the cultural context. That's why it's so important to learn. And we know that there's a lot to learn because as Solomon, you know, tells us in the, uh, in the book of Proverbs, you know, that of learning and of reading, there is no end to it. And it actually, uh, you know, tires out your body. But at the end of the day, you know, it's about, 
being obedient to God. And being obedient to God means meditating on his word and learning his word. And it's an issue of patience. One of the things, brothers, that we have to learn from God himself is that we have to be patient and long-suffering, just as Jesus was is, is actually patient and long-suffering with us because we know that he, as being the divine Lord, is working in our lives along with the Spirit and the Father himself. And so because of these things, we have to take that same attitude and that same character because when he says, be holy as I am holy, he's basically asking you, you know, or not asking you, he's actually commanding you to be in character as he is character because his character is reflected in the law. Uh, let us now take a look at, I'd like to kind of finish this off with anything in particular that maybe people might be uh, keen to, to be careful of. Are there any things that sometimes you guys have uh, run into where it might actually uh, put someone in, in, a, in a bad situation or perhaps communicate something wrong that you guys might be able to, you know, advise, okay, if you're dealing with, you know, any cults or any, uh, any particular individuals, you might want to be careful with this. I'm not sure, Brother Johnny, if you have anything in particular that you can think of. Not at the moment. I'd have to think about that one. Good. How about you, James? Yeah. So, so we did a show on, um, Actually, our first, our very first show was on postmodernism. And, and I'm going to be very upfront with you guys. And with, and with those that are watching this is um, I wasn't too, I wasn't too learned on postmodernism up until I started uh, researching for that show, for that episode. I mean, I knew of it and I knew certain things, but I didn't really take into account or didn't I was ignorant of how it has impacted our world f f going back years now I, if I recall uh, one of the books that was written that really impacted everything was like written in the in the, in the 70s uh, and I'm sure that that's only a culmination of ideas and things that have been going on since then i can't even recall exactly the the beginnings of it because it, i know it comes from modernism and then this postmodernism, but it is very prevalent in our culture I, just speaking to a person from my work not too long ago i can't recall if it was like a month ago or two months ago we, we were having dialogue and the constant let's say the constant theme, but he, he, he really said it like a bunch of times. It's like, well, you know, like, you know, this is, this is my truth. And those people have, you know, their truths and, and everybody has this and everybody has that. And it's like, and I just kept going back. Yeah. But there's, there's the absolute truth. There's, you know, you can talk about, and I always go back to their job because when it comes to their job, not only do they know it, but they're very defensive about it. So it's, it's very, it's very, it's a very good tool to not, not let's not say attack, but it's a good tool to use to Something your sensitive. advantage. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, well, in your job, 
you know, a, a new guy can come in and he can, you know, observe you and, and be trained and all that. And he can be like, well, you know what, I, I think we should do things this way. And this might be a faster way. And this might be a better way. And you got years and years and years of people doing this to you. And you're like, no, this is the way it should be done. And I know they think like that, because I constantly hear that in my job of different positions going, no, people always want to come in and change things. This is the way they always revert back because they know that they, they eventually figure out that they're wrong and this and that and it's like even in your job there there's a, a sense of an absolute truth of how you get your job done correctly efficiently because you've been doing it for years you know what you're doing and and, and so so postmodernism is this thing where like oh yeah everybody's got their truth you can believe this and you can believe that because there is no absolute truth there's this and, and it's just like no there the Bible makes exclusive claims of being the scriptures, the standard, the written word of God that he has breathed out. So as Christians, we need to breathe in scripture and we need to breathe out prayer. That is how we learn. That is how we can deal with others. We need to be learned when it comes to our faith and the doctrines that we've had for all this time and just be knowing of what our culture just continually brings up constantly, constantly, constantly. And that's, and that's, I think that would be very sound advice. Yeah. I think we definitely, for sure, be relating to the issue of knowing your faith, part of it is knowing the worldview that is being spoken of from the Bible, right? Because we don't, I think people tend to not think of it that way. Like if, if I, when I was young, if someone would have told me, is Christianity a philosophy? I would have said, no, no, no. Christianity is a religion. You know, it's, it's about, what you believe about God, not understanding that philosophy has to do with a view of life, right? And does the Bible present that? Absolutely. And so I think a lot of times people make these distinctions. They think, well, I can be a Christian, you know, but at the same time follow this philosophy. And one of the dangers that I think is we have to be very careful with the things that are introduced to us. I know that uh, uh, there's a, a dear brother of mine who, uh, when he was first coming to faith, he he didn't come to faith in a reasonable way. What do I mean by reasonable way? It wasn't like he was, you know, coming to grips mentally, or, you know, in the mind. Well, you know, there must be a God because of this. But he felt a spiritual calling of God. And what happened was, as he sought out to, in essence, look for that, what, what was that? He got introduced to uh, a particular group that was uh, supposed to be supposedly some Hebraic group. So I don't know if it was some kind of cult, but... Long story short, they said, oh, come to our church, you know, and, and they were very much uh, supposedly following, you know, some of these Hebraic things. But one of the things that they did is that they uh, they gave him something that, uh, that I'm not sure what, what it was supposed to be, but it what it sounded like is that they gave him something that was like a, a, a hallucinogenic and in essence a drug. And he ended up being affected by that for like a whole week. And he said it was just it was the most horrible experience he had experience. And what happened was, why? Because he met these people. They were all were people of God. We believe, as a matter of fact, hey, we're really deep into the Bible. We, we want to do it the Jewish way. And he went and followed it. And in his ignorance, he actually ended up, in essence, getting hurt, you know, with, with this situation. So we want to be very careful. That's why we really need to know, you know, what, what is authentic. And we want to ask questions. It is very important. This is one of the reasons why it's very important to have fellowship. Church is so important in these areas because, if someone's introducing you, introducing you, excuse me, to something that 
you have no idea what it is, it's good to ask because most likely, you know, there is someone out there who probably knows about this and that can lead you, you know, into the right, uh, right view of how to look at this. But we're down to about four minutes, brothers. Did we have any questions from anybody in terms of anybody out in the public? No. No? Okay, good. Any, any final comments, brothers, before uh, we slip out of here in a few minutes? Yes. Uh, so basically what I wanted to say is that, uh, and I wanted to piggyback on something that Brother Eric said, that is that uh, because of the, the, the basically the claim that is being made is to marginalize Christianity from the area of science or philosophy. They're saying, well, religion's over here on that corner and it needs to stay in its sort of corner almost on like on a timeout. And, but when you're dealing with education, that's when you deal with history, that's when you deal with uh, science, and that's when you deal with philosophy. Um, the what is philosophy? Well, there are branches of philosophy. There's metaphysics, which is the study of reality. Does the Bible tell us about reality? Yes. It, begin it begins with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's reality. Does the Bible talk about ethics, which is a branch of philosophy? Yes. You look at the Ten Commandments and many of the other commandments of God. Thou shalt not have any of your gods before me. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. And, and on and on. So the Bible discusses ethics. Uh, the, does the Bible talk about being and, and, and our existence? Yes, it, it's, it's called ontology. Uh, it, does it speak about it in philosophical terms like an Aristotle or Socrates? No, but, but it speaks about it from a biblical point of view, from a Jew, Jewish perspective. But, but the other thing is, is uh, in evangelism, when, when we're young, and, and when I mean young, I don't mean young as in children, but young as in, in the faith. Uh, you you tend to get discouraged. Uh, people try to preach the gospel and, and they, no one's listening. And I want to remind something people of something that Paul said in, in his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 1. And he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to a spiritual man, but as to men of flesh, as to infants to Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly, and are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? Then he goes on to say, What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God causes the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. So the lesson that you can learn from this, there's two basic lessons. Number one is that we should always put God first and not our favorite pastor or our favorite you know, televangelist or theologian or author. But God should always come first because Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior. He's the one that died. He is our only master and Lord as the book of Jude says. And so we must put him first. Now, the second thing that we need to understand that is that in evangelism, we are seed planters. We're out in the field and we're planting the seed and we're watering. We preach the gospel and we pray. Preach, pray, plant, water. But God is the one ultimately is the one that's going to cause the increase because God, you know, and this is where we get into Reformed theology, uh, you know, the, the fact is that the Bible does talk about predestination, and I hope that we can do a show on that in, in the not-too-distant future. Uh, but, but the issue is that we need, to not, we need not be discouraged, because as long as we're preaching the gospel and watering, 
and we're just following God's commandments. God, the, the Word of God, the, the power, I remember R.C. Sproul used to say, the power is in the Word. Yeah, thank you for sharing, Brother Johnny. And that is a, that's a good admonition, actually. And so I want to thank you, uh, Brother Johnny, and I want to thank you, Brother James, for joining us for this uh, open forum. We hope that this was a, a more personal approach that we were able to take with uh, not only with, with ourselves, but with you that are the viewers and listeners of Christian Thought in Our World. I want to remind you that we're here every uh, uh, every other week, uh, 7.30 p.m. on Thursdays. And we hope that you've been blessed by the show. So if you would uh, like, if you would subscribe to the show, if you would share it, we definitely uh, would appreciate that. And also comment. And uh, if you have any questions, we'd like to encourage you to give any questions that you might have. And, uh, and to give us also some encouraging feedback on things that you feel are a positive in terms of what we're doing with the show and things that perhaps you might think might make the show better, that could improve the show. We definitely uh, would appreciate that. Brother Johnny, go ahead and... and uh... Uh, I just wanted to let you know regarding the like and sharing and things like that, if you're subscribing to the YouTube channel, if you pray, press like on the, on, the, on the videos, especially on YouTube, if you're, if you're commenting, even if it's a thumbs up or praise the Lord or good show or, or whatever... Uh, this all helps us in our algorithm at the moment. We're a very small channel, but we're trying to produce good quality content and hopefully people can benefit from what we're trying to do. So just any little, any little thing, even if it's a text message, if you're not on social media and you're sharing this content, it, it helps us get more views. It helps the, the word get out there. We're not getting paid to do this. This is just something that we're doing as a labor of love. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, so... We want to thank you again for joining us, and we're looking forward to next time when we do a episode 15. Hopefully, we have to have a good, uh, blessed, and encouraging show. So with that, I'd like to commend you into the Lord's hands, letting you know that theology is not just for pastors and for theologians, but it's for people like you and us. May the Lord bless you. Have a good night.